Tracy Sable tonight on EWTN News Nightly. Chaos at the Capitol. After a series of humiliating defeats, Republicans are reeling. Now, several major issues, including aid to Ukraine and Israel, hang in the balance. We're live on the Hill. Points of contention. As Hamas offers a potential deal to secure the release of Israeli hostages, the Secretary of State says there is still a lot of work to be done on the plan. Mercy overflowing. We explore a Catholic mission created to shine God's light on a suffering country. And confidence in the Holy Spirit. Why we should hold fast to our faith when combating times of sorrow. These stories and more tonight. From EWTN, the Global Catholic Network, this is EWTN News Nightly. Thank you for being with us on the Feast of St. Richard. Our top story tonight, some big news from Capitol Hill. The Senate's bipartisan border bill is officially dead. This after Republicans voted against it. And now there may not be any congressional action until after the November election, at least. Democrats blame former President Donald Trump and some Senate Republicans are calling out their leadership. Capitol Hill correspondent Eric Rosales joins us now with the latest. Eric. Yes, Tracy, some big news up here on Capitol Hill. It didn't even take a day for Republicans to line up in opposition, claiming that the bill would actually make the border crisis worse. Democrats say that all Republicans care about is getting a political win for President Trump and the GOP party. Within 24 hours of releasing the long-awaited bipartisan compromise that our Republican colleagues demanded as conditioned to move Ukraine forward, Leader McConnell and the Republican conference did a 180-degree reversal. They have decided they want to keep chaos at the border because it is a political winner for them. They have decided against a bipartisan breakthrough bill that could have, would have fixed the border, that would have fixed a broken asylum system. Um, this is heartbreaking. Republicans defend their actions, saying President Biden has the tools right now to solve the border crisis, like end catch and release and reinstate the Remain in Mexico policy, but won't. They say this border deal comes up short. What we need to do is pass legislation that forces Joe Biden to do his job, restrains his discretion, constrains his discretion, not give him more authority to run in around the laws that we have in this country. This bill doesn't do that, so we can't support it. The infighting with Republicans continues. Some senators are even calling for their own leader to step down. Is it time for Mitch McConnell to go? I think it is. Look, everyone here also supported a leadership challenge to Mitch McConnell in November. Uh, I think a Republican leader should actually lead this conference and should advance the priorities of Republicans. And over in the House, it's not any better, where Republicans are questioning Speaker Mike Johnson's effectiveness. To that, the Speaker says... I don't think that this is a reflection on the leader. It's a reflection on the body itself and the place where we've come in this country. The top GOP negotiator tells me some agreement is a must. If you disagree with the bill that I brought out as the beginning product, that we don't want to amend that, then go sit down with folks across the aisle, because I don't want us to just look at each other for the next several months and to say this is unattainable. We've got to solve it. That's right. To Langford, Senator Langford there says we have to do something. Now, after the border bill failed, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer quickly put into motion Plan B. He brought to the floor a $95 billion foreign aid bill that would fund Israel, Ukraine and Taiwan and nothing for the border. Now, the outcome of that is still uncertain. 
but House lawmakers have already said that that's a non-starter. They want a foreign aid package to be voted on separately, and that means that the border crisis and the massive flow that's taking place continues, and it continues to put the pressure on President Biden to change his own policies that are that were in place during the Trump administration. Tracy? Well, Eric, uh, Speaker Johnson really took some hits last night during that impeachment vote against DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. What more can you tell us about that? Yeah, that vote to impeach the DHS secretary over his handling of the border crisis came up short. Four Republicans voted against it, and that's not all. Minutes after after that, actually, uh, Speaker Johnson said that both of these measures will be voted on again as soon as possibly as next week. So that possibly is not over just yet. At the Capitol, Eric Rosales, EWTN, News Nightly. All right, thank you, Eric. And here with his take on this chaos in Congress is Andrew Walworth, political analyst and host of Real Clear Politics, the Takeaway Podcast. Andrew, great to be with you. Um, first off, your thoughts on what we're seeing right now in Congress, and how would you characterize it? Well, I think it's a huge gift to the administration that the Republicans have just uh, done. It's, um, you know, they had an opportunity here to retake this issue, uh, which is in our polls, we're showing it's it's right behind the economy and sometimes above the economy in, in people's minds. And it allows Biden to say, hey, look, you know, I wanted to I want to fix the border. Uh, forget about what happened in the last three years. I want to fix it now. Uh, and the Republicans are are stopping me from doing that. And more importantly, he can say they're doing that as a to kowtow to uh, uh, Donald Trump. Um, so it's a it's a real win for the for the White House, no matter no matter how you look at it. I mean, he he, he was going to win whether this passed or not. Andrew, what do you think the American people are thinking right now about what's happening on Capitol Hill? Well, you know. Congress is never very popular, um, so I think that this just, you know, reinforces their their views. But people have to remember that people hate Congress, but they tend to love their Congress representative. Um, people from Congress get reelected at about a 95 percent rate. So it's kind of like the way we all think of our element about about education in America. Everyone thinks the schools are broken, but they love their kindergarten teacher. And in some sense, that, that's what you have here. People, you know, people hate the institution, but they reelect their guy or their gal time and time again. Yeah. What about uh, Speaker Johnson and the position he's in right now? I mean, how tough of a situation is it, especially considering the hard right of his Republican Party and that outside pressure from former President Donald Trump? Yeah. Well, Tracy, you've he's the guy with the toughest job in Washington right now, as far as I can tell. Um Jobs is very tough because they have what's called a, um, a, a motion to remove, I guess it's called, that only takes four votes in his caucus to oust him from uh, the speakership. So it's always been on tender hooks. It's been a very short tenure. I think he's trying very hard, um, but I think uh, I, there's sort of two ways to look at it right now. One is yeah, it's a tough job, and yeah, they can get rid of them in a, in a moment. On the other hand, how much of this do the Republicans want to put up with? I mean, how much chaos do they want to signal? Do they want to be seen as a do-nothing Congress? Do they want to throw another guy out of the speakership? What are they going to do about Mitch McConnell? All of this adds to this sort of notion that the Republicans are now the party of chaos. And that flows right into the sort of narrative 
that Biden's going to use for his reelection campaign, which is basically you can't trust these guys and gals because they're a threat to democracy. So this makes them look incompetent. And um, so they may, they may keep them around uh, just to, to, you know, to keep that uh, that image from getting cemented in the American mind. Now, we have about 30 seconds left or so, Andrew. I mean, how do you think this is all going to play out at the polls come November for Republicans? Oh, I think the, uh, if I had to predict, I would say uh, the Republicans are going to take the Senate. It looks like uh, it's the best map they've had in years. And there's about five seats that look like they're going to flip. So I, I think they're going to take the Senate. I'm not sure what's going to happen in the House. Um, that's going to be anyone's bet, I think, at this point. And in terms of what happens in the White House, you have to say that right now Donald Trump is leading in the polls. Every poll I see, a couple points, he's he's up a couple points in the real clear uh, average. But that can change. You know, anything can happen. And that's why, as my friends say, that's why we play the game. We'll, we'll find out what happens in November. Yes, we shall. Andrew, thank you so much. Thanks for waiting. We appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me. While hopes for a ceasefire in the Middle East are fading tonight, Israel's prime minister just rejected the latest proposal from Hamas. Instead, he says the war will press on. Benjamin Netanyahu made the decision shortly after meeting with President Joe Biden's top diplomat. White House correspondent Owen Jensen reports. Owen? Tracy, the meeting between U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and top Israeli leaders comes as the war between Israel and Hamas enters its fifth month, and the fate of over 100 hostages still held in Gaza remains uncertain tonight. But with today's news, it seems those hostages will remain in captivity even longer. Secretary of State Antony Blinken shaking hands with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. The two meeting in Jerusalem to discuss the ongoing war. Netanyahu later revealed he would reject a proposal from Hamas. What I can tell you about these discussions is that while there are some clear non-starters in Hamas's response, uh, we do think it creates space for agreement to be reached. The United States, Israel, Qatar, and Egypt offered a ceasefire plan, but Hamas said it would only release all the hostages in exchange for hundreds of Palestinians imprisoned by Israel and an end to the war. The proposal would effectively leave Hamas in power in Gaza and allow it to rebuild its military capabilities, a scenario that Israeli leaders adamantly rejected. These things are always uh, negotiations. Uh, it's not... Um, it's not flipping a light switch. It's not yes or no. There's invariably back and forth. In Tel Aviv today, people gathered to pay tribute to the victims of the October 7th attacks that launched the war. The deadliest round of fighting in the history of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict has killed thousands, leveled neighborhoods, and driven people from their homes. President Joe Biden, on his way to New York today, did not stop to talk to the press, but Tuesday responded to the proposal from Hamas. But it seems to be... Uh... A little over the top. Biden's top diplomat also meeting with Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas. As that happened, a small group of people in downtown Ramallah protested Blinken's visit and U.S. policy towards the Palestinians. Also tonight, we want to share a developing story with you. Late this afternoon, the U.S. launched a drone strike in Baghdad, Iraq, that killed three militia members, including a high-ranking commander. Now, U.S. officials say they were part of the group responsible for killing three U.S. soldiers in Jordan recently. At the White House, Owen Jensen, EWTN News Nightly. All right, thank you, Owen. Meantime, lawmakers from both sides of the aisle are hosting members of the Israeli Knesset and families of the hostages held by Hamas. In a rare moment of bipartisanship, they came together for a cause they could all agree upon. 
We stand here united across party lines and across countries for one cause, and that cause is to bring our hostages home. These families live in agony every single day. They are uncertain if their loved ones are even alive. We will help bring home every last hostage. We will not let Hamas succeed. The hostages must be released. The Arab neighbors and friends that we have in the region must use their leverage, which they possess fully, and they need to spend political capital that they have quite a lot of to do so. In Nevada, the state will hold caucuses tomorrow as former President Trump seeks to expand his lead in the GOP primary race. This as former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley was given a landslide defeat in the state's Tuesday primary. The overwhelming majority of voters cast their ballots for the none of these candidates option. Former President Donald Trump did not compete in Tuesday's contest. The primary does not award any delegates towards the party's nomination. However, Tomorrow's caucuses do. The Haley campaign says they are focusing their efforts on South Carolina's February 24th primary. Also tomorrow, the Supreme Court will weigh whether former President Donald Trump will remain on the election ballot. The unprecedented case centers around the question of Trump's eligibility to return to the White House and a section of the 14th Amendment that is meant to keep former office holders who engaged in insurrection from regaining power. The justices must decide if Colorado's Supreme Court ruling to disqualify Trump because of his efforts to overturn the 2020 election was correct. The former president is not expected to attend the arguments. We have a lot more still to come here on EWTN News Nightly, including a scare in Poland, how a NATO ally responded to a Russian missile meant for Ukraine. I learn more about a nonprofit focused on spreading the light of God's mercy in a war-torn country. At least 30 people are dead after two political offices in Pakistan were bombed just one day before an important election of a new parliament. A government spokesperson says the voting will not be delayed. Pakistan has frequently faced attacks around the time of elections. Thousands of police and paramilitary forces have been deployed across the country as the Pakistanis seek to slow down a recent surge in attacks. No one has claimed responsibility for the most recent bombing. Now to the war in Ukraine, where it's NATO neighbor Poland deployed fighter jets earlier today. It was in response to a Russian missile that was headed toward the border, but it changed course before exploding. Those attacks hit three major cities in Ukraine, including the capital of Kyiv, where a high-rise building was hit. At least three people were killed and 10 others injured. The assault came at the same time the European Union's top diplomat was in town discussing military and financial aid for Ukraine. Well, staying in Ukraine, where a Catholic mission is stepping up their efforts to help the war-torn country. Founded in 2007 in Wisconsin, Chalice of Mercy provides medical equipment to hospitals, operates daycare facilities, and assists children with special needs, all while providing help and spreading the word of God. Joining us now is Valentina Pavlosukova, founder of Chalice of Mercy, a Catholic mission focused on helping the people of Ukraine. Valentina, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Uh, Before we talk about Chalice of Mercy and the work you do, I 
want to get your thoughts on the United States' support for Ukraine. How important do you think it is, and why do you think it needs to continue? So, of course, um, as we're now coming to two-year anniversary of war in my country, um, the support of the United States was very critical and important, and we are uh, very much grateful for what we have received. Support in uh, um, military supplies, support of our economy, um, support of our people who were refugees and people who are internally misplaced um, currently. What's the feeling among the people of Ukraine right now, especially as we come up upon this two-year anniversary? Yeah, we are um, keeping very strong, and um, people are feeling very much united in order to defend our land. Very important, I think, to explain here um, that we are not fighting someone on someone's land. We are defending our borders. We are defending our country, our families, our children, our elders. And so, um, so I think that... This is this is very important to 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 hear for everybody, you no? Know? And I think um, to understand, let's say, our people, um, they're feeling in many ways um, abandoned um, in the, in the support, you know, because we have we have just enough to not to lose, but we don't have enough to win. I want to switch now, and I want to talk about Chalice of Mercy, uh, why you started it, and how it is directly helping those in Ukraine. Talk to us more about that. Yeah. Um, so Chalice of Mercy was founded in 2007. It was founded because I have experienced conversion here in the United States. So I, was one, I wanted to show them that God is loving and merciful Father through everything I will do through Chalice of Mercy Mission. So it started with uh, just a shipping first container of medical supplies to the poor hospital that serves 45,000 people. And then we started to ship uh, medical supplies and um, necessary supplies to the orphanages. And then um, when mission became to, um, let's say, much bigger a scale, and I was focused on particularly working with doctors in defending human life from the moment of conception to the natural death. Uh, so, uh, biggest part of my work was done with gynecology doctors, and intern students, uh, medical students, um, particularly helping them to understand the dignity of human life. Um, also, uh, Chalice of Mercy was the the f um, through our mission we started. Uh, a first Catholic daycare in the diocese of Kharkovska Zaporizhka, that's where I belong. And so St. Marie Goretti daycare was the, the first ever Catholic uh, uh, daycare um, that, that happened there ever since the time of Christianity, really, actually. And so we have uh, 20 children that we're taking care of, and now we have children that are preparing for First Holy Communion. Oh, Valentina, before I let you go, where can people get more information about Chalice of Mercy, and how can they help? Uh, so people can find us on the website, which is chaliceofmercy.org, uh, Facebook as well, Instagram. However, it's easier uh, to know more information. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Valentina, thank you so much for your time today, and thank you for what you do. God bless you. God, God bless you, too. Thank you. Up next on EWTN News Nightly, cling to the cross. Pope Francis proposes a remedy for the faithful when dealing with sadness. Plus, 
Be of Good Cheer, a preview of a national Catholic event and its mission to inspire through prayer. Welcome back. Pope Francis reminds the faithful that a simple way to overcome sadness is to reflect on the resurrection of our Lord. La tristeza è come il piacere del non piacere. As weekly talk of the Vatican, the Holy Father said sorrow is an ailment of the soul, and through the grace of God, it can be turned to joy. He used an example of the prodigal son who felt sadness in his sins, went to his father for forgiveness and is joyfully welcomed home. Our final preparations are underway for a Catholic prayer event bringing around 1,000 people to the nation's capital. Tomorrow is the 19th annual National Catholic Prayer Breakfast. The keynote speaker is Bishop William Byrne from the Diocese of Springfield, Massachusetts. His remarks will touch on this year's theme, Be of Good Cheer, the Eucharist, the source and summit of our faith. Recently, we spoke with the event's chairman for a preview. For more, we turn now to Mark Randall, director and event chairman for the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast. Mark, great to have you back on. Uh, give us a preview of the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast and why this event is so special and important. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. It's always good to be with you, and we appreciate the partnership with EWTN. Uh, this is the 19th annual uh, National Catholic Prayer Breakfast, which I think, as you know, many of your viewers know, was founded uh, at the prompting of the National Prayer Breakfast, which has been going on a very long time. But our co-founder, Josella, uh, that many years ago said, you know what, we Catholics know how to pray too. Why don't we come together and do something similar? And we've been doing that these past almost two decades now. So um, the event really starts with a, a mass and a VIP reception the night before. That'll be taking place uh, up at the JP2 Shrine. And then the uh, morning of the event kicks off bright and early, 7 a.m. Uh, we have uh, invocation, blessing, greeting from the Holy Father. Uh, we pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet together, which is always a very beautiful thing. We have uh, two Sisters of Mercy who are coming to lead us in that this year. Uh, and then, of course, we eat. Uh, but we'll also be presenting our Christi Fidelis Leici Award this year to Helen Alvarez. We're very excited about that. Uh, Helen was a keynote speaker back at the breakfast in 2013. Uh, I was there, and I remember it was probably one of the most moving speeches that we've had by a lay person. And so when we looked at uh, her life's work uh, and who was deserving of the award this year, we, we just immediately went with Helen. So we're, we're thrilled she's going to be there. And then finally, our keynote uh, is Bishop Bill Byrne, who some of your viewers may remember was a priest of the Archdiocese of Washington before being named Bishop of the Springfield of Massachusetts. And so he's going to be with us uh, to give his thoughts on our general theme this year, which is uh, the real presence of in the Eucharist, uh, sort of coattailing on the National Congress this year. But it's an exciting theme, great lineup. It'd be a great morning. Yeah, it is a great event. Uh, tell us about maybe some of the other folks uh, that will be at the event and some of the other honorees. Sure. So um, we're thrilled this year to have, uh, I think, almost 12 members of Congress who, at least at this point, are telling us they're going to be there. Uh, unfortunately, the House is out of session on that day, and we never really know who's in town and who's able to make it. But it's, it's nice to have them there. They like to pray with us. Obviously, we like to pray with them. And it's it's important uh, witness for um, this town, Washington, where, you know, we, we all sort of live and work among uh, a lot of really powerful people. But when we come together in prayer uh, before Christ, we're all as one. Uh, and so we have everybody at this breakfast, over a thousand people from um, retired religious families with little kids, um, you know, sort of the power players of Washington, 
Um, it's mostly Catholic, but we have some some folks from the Protestant uh, community as well who come and, and pray with us and are part of it. Um, and it's just a it's a it's a time to literally just pray for our country, pray for our leaders, um, especially again during this Eucharistic uh, focus this year. Uh, that, that that will be a common theme that you'll hear in several remarks from the podium. Uh, and, and kind of our theme for the morning. And I think maybe some of your guests as well. well. Mark, we're almost out of time, but quickly, final thoughts. And also, where can folks get more information and tickets if they want to attend? Yeah, sure. So we, um, this is a smaller event in consideration of uh, convention business. And so we actually have a pretty challenging time trying to get a hotel to give us a date and time. That's just the honest truth. So we did not pick uh, February to have it. If we had our choice, it'd probably be later in the spring or early in the fall. But this is the date we landed on. Uh, it's the Feast of St. Josephine Paquita. So we'll be uh, invoking her in a session that morning as well. Uh, but there are still tickets available at least through tomorrow uh, evening. So the website is catholicprayerbreakfast.com. Uh, we'd love to have anybody come and join us or join us on your network uh, later that morning. All right. Sounds wonderful, Mark. Thank you so much. Thanks for all you do. God bless you, Mark Randall, Director and Event Chairman for the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast. Great to see you again, Mark. Thanks. And if you can't be there, you can watch it right here on EWTN. We thank you for watching tonight. Remember, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, X, and Instagram at EWTN News Nightly. I'm Tracy Sable. Good night and God bless.